Welcome back to Schneider Arena here at Providence College. The score at the end of two periods of play. Merrimack and Providence are all tied up at one. Each team has a power play goal for Merrimack. In the first period, it was Ludwig Larson. In the second period, Josh Wilkins tied it on the power play for the Friars. So we are all tied up at one-to-one. I'm Mike Mackey with John Leahy. Second intermission tonight is brought to you, as always, by Merrimack Graduate Studies, where at Merrimack, you can earn your master's degree in as little as one year. Choose from graduate programs in business, education, engineering, health sciences, criminology, and so much more. Visit merrimack.edu backslash graduate. That's merrimack.edu backslash graduate today for all the details. Well, uh, staying on to join us here in the second intermission uh, as he uh, was with us for the second period, Mike McMahon from the Mac Report and also from the Eagle Tribune, Call of Talking News as well. And uh, Mike, first of all, this period or, or this game here, a one-to-one game each team with a power play goal. I had a feeling before the game that special teams could potentially decide this one with you know both teams having had inconsistent special teams throughout the year. Uh, certainly for the Warriors, the goal in the first period well, you know, was good for them. The uh, couple of penalty kills they had, but then giving up the late goal and now having to kill off almost another full two minutes to start the third period puts them a little bit behind the eight ball. Yeah, and you look at Providence in the power play. So their power play percentage, I think, is around 20%, which is, is typical of a, of a team that's pretty good in the power play. One of the things that I like to look at is is how much better are they in the power play. So I usually look at shooting percentage and even strength, shooting percentage in the power play, see what the difference is. Uh, and they, they go up about 10%, which is big. That, that's a big jump. They shoot about 7% at even strength, shooting like 17 or 18% of the power play. So that's a big bump, which tells you, even though even though they might be 20% conversion, uh, they're a lot better in the power play than they are at even strength. So you don't want to give them a whole lot of time with the man advantage. Merrimack taking some penalties and bunches there at the end of the second period. That's what they're doing. Uh, and, and we saw them cash in on one of them there late. What's the shooting per, uh, percentage from Merrimack on the power play? Uh, what's the difference between that and even strength? Yeah, I think it's about 5. If I remember correctly, like 4.9 or 5%. So uh, about half of what Providence is right now. So that tells you uh, I always think that that's a pretty good comparison. Let's see you know, where they are at even strength. Where are they on the power play? How much better are they on the power play than they are at even strength? Every once in a while you'll see a weird one where a team will actually be worse in the power play than they are at even strength. Uh, in fact, anomaly uh, in this game, Providence has a better save percentage on, on the penalty kill than they do at even strength, which is odd. You usually also I do the same thing on defensively. What's the save percentage even strength compared to, to penalty kill in Providence? Uh, one of the weird cases where they're actually have a better save percentage when they're down to me. You know, I saw that earlier this week that you had that, and that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about here between periods was because that's a really, I think, interesting uh, bit of information there. That uh, you know, what, I guess, you know, what do you attribute that to? And then again, we're talking about the fact that Providence is actually there. They've got a better save percentage when they're when they're shorthanded. In other words, they're killing penalties. When the other team's on the power play, they have a better save percentage than uh, than uh, at even strength. Yeah, you know, I think it's probably shot quality. Uh, it seems like they do a pretty good job of keeping things to the outside, even though Merrimack had the power play goal by sort of getting the puck on the inside. Uh, they did a really good job. It seems like they try to do a really good job of keeping teams to the perimeter, so it's probably shot quality, uh, not let, not allowing a whole lot in front. Um, you know, the, the big difference, really, you look at the penalty kill in Providence at about 90%, with a 921 save percentage on the penalty kill. Merrimack, uh, 70%, or maybe even a little below 70% now, giving up that power play goal tonight. Uh, their save percentage on the power play was like 750 or something, or 740. It was low, really low. So, uh, that, that really, I mean, it, it's just another another number you can use to look at those units. I mean, you can look at the success rates and know who's doing well and who's not, but uh, you can also kind of compare what they do at even strength to what they do in special teams and get an idea of you know how much better are they in the power play, how much worse are they in the penalty kill type of thing. 
We're talking with Mike McMahon from the Eagle Tribune, the MacReport.com, and also Call of Talking News, one-to-one our score here at the end of two. And uh, Mikey had a nice story today about Craig Pantano. He, uh, of course, has now started the last, what is it, I think this is his fifth straight start uh, in net four Merrimack, and uh, just one goal through two periods. Uh, he's really done all they could have asked of him and more, but, uh, you, you know, as you've said with us before on the air and you had in your story today, it's, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of folks are going to look at it and say, hey, you know, you third-string goalie here who uh, was uh, not expected to play has ascended to the, the number one, taken over the number one position and played extremely well. He's got numbers right up there with any other goaltender in the league over the last few weeks. But, uh, you know, as you say, maybe shouldn't have been that unexpected. He's not a typical third-string goaltender. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times your third-string goalie, I mean, even a Merrimack in the past, they've been guys who play high school hockey locally, but really, uh, you know, not much past that. Maybe some prep school. Um, guys that probably would have otherwise gone Division three. I mean, I think you look at the way Craig Pantano's played, and also, like, look at where he played. So, I know in the story today, I mentioned he split with Shane Starrett, who went to Air Force uh, two years ago, and is now signed with the Edmonton Oilers. They split time with the South Shore Kings their last year there. Uh, he had a lot of experience in the USPHL. He also played for Boston Advantage before that, uh, which is a local team that, that most of the top players go through at some point. So, uh, he has he has a history with playing with a lot of the, the more high-end guys, I think, as he was growing up. So, um, yeah, it just you look at his his pedigree. He doesn't have the typical pedigree of a of a third string goalie that you know maybe doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Maybe played some high school hockey, but is basically there to to be an extra body in practice. You know, he he's played some hockey before he got here, and I think you're seeing some of that experience play out now in the terms of the success he's had. Yeah, and yeah, I think you're seeing the mindset as well working for him that he's certainly you know maybe, maybe uh, you know having been around a couple of years as well, and uh, you know for, for whatever reason he, he certainly seems to have that kind of uh, you know mindset where it's, he doesn't you know doesn't doesn't let anything bother him and you know if one goes in uh, he doesn't think about it and and so on for whatever reason it's working for him but that's so that's one thing that I you know is better and certainly of course the fact that they've only got the one goal tonight if it's a if it's a four to one game then you're you're talking about the offense again one to one game so we're talking about just defensive battle but uh, you know at first my thought is the move you know Cini in particular Cini moving to center you know seemed to have sparked some things but it actually quieted down a bit especially you know since that first period. And, uh, you know, kind of wondering what, you, what your take was on that move. And, uh, uh, like I said, I would have thought through the first four periods of that going back to last week's game that, boy, uh, Sini certainly seems like a totally different player. Second period, though, not a lot going on there. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting because they kept Petty with them. You know, it's, it's the same line, only they swapped Sini and Petty. So uh, I haven't noticed it. I haven't really paid attention with much to, to see who's taking more of the defensive role in that line. I mean, it's going to inherently be the center. But uh, I think it's, it's, it's good that you keep a guy like Petty out there who's a good two-way player because he can handle some of that. You know, if, if Sini's down low in the zone, Petty can kind of play that center role if he's the first guy, the first forward back on D. Um, but I just think putting Sini in the middle, I think it's just going to open things up for him. I mean, he's, he's a guy that the, the puck's going to go through him no matter what. We saw that last year. Uh, he had a, a huge increase in shots on goal last year, which just means he had the puck more. So the puck was going through him a lot. Uh, and I think give, putting him in the middle of the ice is going to just give him more options. Uh, you know, when he's coming down the left wing wall, you got the wall on one side of you, so you can only really go one way. Uh, I think especially him, a guy that can use his speed a little bit, this is going to give him more options coming up the middle to either distribute the puck or maybe find a lane there uh, to generate a shot of his own. 
uh, story you had earlier this week talking about Frozen Fenway. Of course, the, the Fenway Gridiron Series wrapping up this weekend with BC and UConn on football and uh, possibility uh, of Frozen Fenway coming back uh, in a couple of years or so. Uh, basically, you know, give us a, a quick wrap-up. What you're hearing, what might happen, and uh, is there a possibility Merrimack gets involved in the next one? Yeah, I would think so. So I, I talked with someone at the Fenway Sports Group earlier this week, and uh, they had said that there was plans to bring it back, either in 2019 or 2020, and it sounds like 2020 is probably uh, more along the lines of when they'll do it. That, that'd be a three-year gap from the last one, and that's what they seem to be going with now. So, so that would be the 2019 to 2020 exactly. season. So it would be not next season, but the year after that. Yep. And uh, and like you know, we were talking about with the French before, Hockey East has done a pretty good job of rotating the teams around. Uh, and I believe that that Merrimack would have the next turn here. You know, in terms of rotating teams around with Frozen Fenway. So my guess is, and that's a guess. You know, it does sound like they're going to do it again, probably in 1920. Uh, my guess would be that that Merrimack may be involved if they do it again, just because it's it's kind of you know they're, they're up in terms of the rotation of teams that they go through. If you had to guess, who would Merrimack's opponent be in 1920 Fenway? Yeah, I mean, it could be Providence again. Um, you know, it could be Providence again. I think you, you could see Lowell. There's kind of a rivalry there, Merrimack Valley type thing. Uh, UNH kind of makes sense as well. You know, it's, I'd have to go through and see because uh, I I don't know who else was in it that year with Merrimack. I know Providence was. It was Notre Dame and BC. That was the other game. Yeah, that was the other one. Yeah, Notre Dame obviously not going to be a part of no. it. So uh, <laughs> Naga, Naga, not going to be there anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I know there's been some talk of, of some people saying that hey, you know, maybe they should make these non-conference games try to do like a BC Minnesota or something but at the end of the day Hockey's is the one that, that's putting this event together they want Hockey's team so uh, it's going to be Hockey's teams again there's no question about it alright Mike thanks a lot we appreciate your time check out his work folks themacreport.com the Eagle Tribune and College Hockey I mean if you're not already doing it then uh, I mean you must have been on Mars for the last few years but anyway Mike thanks for joining us we appreciate it What? one more thing uh, or that new planet that we just discovered oh I missed that what was that I don't know something 128 I read about it earlier this week I don't know I knew. now I'm getting caught here wait, wait, wait a minute wasn't that the planet from Alien, LV-128? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. yeah. That's the last thing I need to hear at this time, right? <laughs> now, now I won't get any sleep tonight. Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks. All right, Mike McMahon, our guest here in the second intermission with the score. Merrimack 1 and Providence 1. Back with more right after this on the Merrimack Sports Network. This is Warrior Hockey.